Chapter Seventeen of the Randolphs by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen. Goodbye. On the way downtown, Mister Harper was the most delightful of companions. Maria, watching them from the window, fondly supposed he was taking that opportunity to enlighten Grace as to her folly and give her good advice for the future. Such was no part of his intention. He talked much about the proposed visit in such a hearty, matter-of-course way, that at last Grace found voice to say, "'I should like it of all things, of course, but I really do not see how it is to be brought about.' "'Then it will be all the more enjoyable when it is brought about for you, will it not? Isn't that the way these things work? And the beauty of it is, I see the way very clearly.' unless indeed you are going to propose some objections that i don't know anything about what is the most formidable one in your mind at this present time my own importance grace said laughing a little but with an anxious side glance at him to see if he understood as one of the providers of the family purse he said quickly i understand all about that and ermina will tell you that we have planned admirably as to it the memory of it does you credit. This part of the plan belongs essentially to Ermina, and you must allow her to do the work. "'It is all new to me,' Grace said. "'Ermina has never mentioned anything of the sort, either when she was at home or in her letters. I am taken utterly by surprise.' "'Ermina is not one to divulge her plans before they are ready for operation,' Mr. Harper answered quickly feeling grateful that it was not necessary for the good of the cause to tell grace when this plan that he was pushing with such energy was first conceived by the time they reached the store grace began to have a dim sense that this delightful scheme might some way and some time in the future be carried into execution but as yet it was too unreal a thing for her to build any strong hopes upon in the first place there was the month's notice that the store required before any of the clerks were released so arbitrary was this rule that grace almost felt that if she were to be sick it would be a very improper thing to do not to have given notice in ample time to fill her place her astonishment was therefore greater when after introducing her brother to the principal and leaving him at the office she was called there in the course of an hour and abruptly asked by mr harper if it would be possible to get ready to go home with him in two days if she stayed at the store during the remainder of that day dumbfounded grace flushed and paled and looked in a frightened sort of way up at her chief and knew not what to say but mr McAllister, in conference with the well-known capitalist mr harper was a different man from the one who generally dealt in short and somewhat crusty fashion with his clerks. Grace had realized this in a measure when she entered the store and was greeted by him with short dignity. Fifteen minutes late, Miss Randolph. It is fortunate that this is a rare occurrence, or I should have more to say about it. To this Grace had simply bowed and replied, My brother, Mr. Harper, Mr. McAllister and Mr. McAllister, recognizing the name and the face, had no more to say. He smiled down on her now in a way that was utterly new to her, and said benignly, "'It is utterly against our rules, of course, Miss Randolph, 
but all rules fail on unprecedented occasions and this brother of yours is very peremptory i congratulate you on the brilliant prospect that is opening before you and of course we are glad to do your brother a favor at the same time if you could remain during this day it would save us from a good deal of embarrassment as two of the clerks report illness this morning and having received her wages in full and a cordial dismissal at the close of that day's service coupled with a flattering testimonial of her ability as a saleswoman and the loss it would be to them unsophisticated grace went back to her desk with a dim sense of the power of wealth and position dawning upon her only think alfred she said to that individual in the first moment of confidence that the rush of business gave to these two only think i am going to new york for the winter alfred did think and a blank fell upon him he realized that the store would be darker and gloomier with that face gone i know it he said rather shortly almost crossly that precious brother-in-law of yours has been to inform me of it at least he condescended to stop at my counter and hint as such it seems to me he assumes the management of things in a little too lordly a fashion this was unwise in alfred a sense of the dignity of the family was strong in grace and he was hardly of the family as yet not near enough to be allowed to criticize at least not in that cross tone we are only too glad to have him assume what authority he chooses she answered with dignity he has been a true friend to us in every way i thought you would be much pleased at my prospect of a chance to improve pleased with the prospect of not seeing you for a year not by any means so long as that she said appalled just for a few months three at the longest and i can play for you some of those pieces that you liked so much last night when i come home i know i can i know the talent is in me if i can only get a little chance to bring it out and then alfred you know you have disliked to have me in the store i know it he said heroically i suppose it is the best thing at least we may as well think so for it seems it is decided only i think you might have told me about it and asked my advice grace laughed a little silvery laugh my advice wasn't asked she said i was just taken by storm i never heard a word about it until this morning and then i supposed it was something that was to be in the future some time if i could get away from the store and if fifty things did not happen to prevent it but alfred if you do not like it at all i might reconsider it in some way only my position here is given up and they have sent out for help in my place and it would make things rather awkward oh no alfred said quickly mollified decidedly by the inclination that after all his judgment was the ruling one and mindful of the advantages of such relationship as the wealthy brother you will have to go now of course it is too late to change plans and i dare say it is the best thing to do we must keep on the right side of the rich brother-in-law we may want his help in the future now this was one of the rare very rare occasions in which alfred made remarks that jarred on the refined sensibilities of grace randolph on such occasions it was not that alfred was rude not to say coarse in his utterances 
but that mankind in general were so much more outspoken on these subjects than women could ever be. This was the way Grace put it. She wished he would not speak in that way of Mr. Harper. She was glad that Mr. Harper was not there to hear. Meantime, the Randolph household were in a whirl of preparation. "'Helen will be horrid!' Maria complained to Tom, when he came over that morning to see how the new ideas were working. "'If Grace decides to go, which I have no hope of, all the time we are at work getting her ready, I pity me. I know just how much of a martyr all this will make of Helen. No amount of explaining will make it plain that there is special need to get Grace away just now. After I have exhausted my breath and my temper in an attempt of that kind, she will remark, precisely as though I had not said a word, that it would have been natural to suppose that Ermina would have chosen her, the widowed sister, who is nearest her age, to spend the winter with her, instead of that child, who was well enough off at home. I can hear her as plainly as though she was saying it. And that thing, with variations, is what I shall be destined to listen to all the while I am cutting and contriving for grace. And how that last is to be done is more than I can see." there are decided inconveniences connected with this plan, even if it works. Tom only laughed. You are borrowing trouble, he said. Perhaps everything will come out all right. Anyway, trust Mr. Harper for getting his own way, whatever it is. And it is sure to be a good way. I will try, meantime, to keep Helen so busy that she will not have time to make a martyr of you. But Helen did no such thing. She acquiesced in the arrangements with marvellous good humour, rather with the air of one who continued to be preoccupied and absent-minded, and helped Maria rip and turn in good-natured silence, until that bewildered girl grew seriously alarmed lest Helen was really sick. Into the midst of the whirl of preparations and the dismay as to proper wardrobe for city life came a letter from Ermina, not from the post-office, but from the pocket-book of her husband, at an opportune moment. "'Oh, by the way,' he said, rising from the table and turning to Grace, "'I have a note here for you from Ermina. I was to give it to you as soon as you commenced preparations for your journey, and I hope they are already commenced.' This was the note. "'Gracie, dear, now you are not to be troubled, nor to let Maria puzzle her poor tired brains over the old vexing question, wherewithal shall I be clothed? Tell that blessed sister it is my turn now. I am your good old grandmother, and you are to come to me just as you are exactly, except that I give you leave to exercise your own pretty taste about a travelling dress. For the rest I will accept nothing, not even an apron, that is not bought and made under my own eye. We will have remarkably nice times arranging it all. Won't I be glad to get hold of you? You see, I take it for granted that you are to come, because I know that every one of our family is gifted with common sense, and because my husband has gone for you, and said he was to bring you back with him. The idea of his coming home without you after that is preposterous to me. I know him so well." buy the travelling dress ready-made. You can get very good ones in that way. And don't scrimp, please. Let me see what your taste is when you really indulge it. 
you may consider the dress a birthday present. I remember that last week was your birthday. In great haste to see you, I wait. Ermina. Out of this note there fell a fifty-dollar note. Grace, with the carmine glowing in her cheeks, handed both without a word of comment to the sister nearest her, which happened to be Maria. Mr. Harper had considerately taken himself to the bedroom. Maria read, and the dress that she was ripping, a piece of which she had held on to as she took the letter, dropped from her hand. "'Well,' she said, "'Ermina Randolph does credit to her bringing up. Grace, I don't see but the whole story of Cinderella has been remodeled for your express use. I shall rip no more on that old thing.' and she pushed the dress quite away with a gesture of contempt. While this new and important view of the subject was being discussed somewhat warmly by Grace, Mr. Harper reappeared. He judged it time for another diversion. "'Maria,' he said, taking a seat beside her, "'can you get her ready for the day after tomorrow?' "'My patience,' said Maria." Then they all began to disclaim the possibility of such haste as that, and it ended, as Mr. Harper's plans usually did, in an energetic rush of everybody in the house to accomplish the desired end, and it was accomplished. Still Maria failed to be quite satisfied. "'I don't understand how you are improving things,' she grumbled to Mr. Harper during the last evening of Grace's stay at home. The trouble was that Grace at that moment was alone in the parlor with the obnoxious Alfred. There they are, as cooing as possible, I dare say. I don't see why you didn't forbid that performance, or have father do it. See here, Mr. Harper said, gravely. Why didn't you tell father about this matter yourself, instead of keeping it perfectly quiet and writing to us? Didn't you fear the effect of the excitement on him? Maria was obliged to admit that she did. "'Then won't you give me credit for sense enough to follow a good example after it has been set me? As to avoiding this evening call, I think I could have done it. But there was a difficulty in the way. I did not think it the best thing to do. I shall do the best that I can, Maria.' And Maria was silenced, if not convinced." and Mr. Harper endured, with the utmost amiability and composure, the attendance of the said Alfred at the depot the next morning. He even allowed him to assist Grace from the carriage, and check her trunk, and hover around her like a moth. He was kind and gracious in his manner, and entirely won Grace's confidence and gratitude, for could there be a greater contrast between the frowning face and haughty voice of Maria, whenever she looked at the poor fellow, and Mr. Harper's cordial frankness and courteous good-bye when they were fairly moving off. She looked out of the window, her eyes swimming in tears. It was her first departure from the old home, her first peep into the outside world. She had no conception of all the strange program of events that would be enacted before she saw that home again. There was in one room of the dear old house a father who was at this moment praying for the safe-keeping of his darling, praying that if he never saw her again on earth she might be sure to come up to him in heaven. Looking after the retreating train there were a brother and sister who had thought and planned, and one of them at least prayed much for her, 
and who looked after her with grave faces and unutterably tender longings in their hearts and yet this little simpleton gave her last look her last smile her last tear to the light-haired young man who paced the walk looking after the train indeed but already sending a puff of cigar smoke to help it on end of chapter seventeen